God, we come into your presence, and uh, what, a, what an incredible privilege it is to be called your children, to know you, um, to be able to um, experience the things that we have sung. You know, you're our rescuer, you're our savior. And to come to that place where we know, Lord Jesus, that you are worthy of our praise, indeed of our lives. And uh, God, we come now to, to your word, this precious book that you have given to us, this divinely inspired book that contains your truth, your message for us. And our prayer today, Lord, is that uh, you will impact every single person here by the power of the, with the word of God. So as we often pray, don't let us leave here cha- unchanged. Do your work in us by your spirit, by the power of your spirit. Touch our lives deeply, we pray. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've had reason to think uh, recently, I suppose because it's Labor Day, it, it got me on this track, Labor Day weekend, uh, of thinking about <clears throat> the remarkable amount of effort that has been put into the creation of this nation that we are so proud of, called Canada. Um, I, I really was struck by this after a trip I made to England in 2013. Um, went and saw lots of the sites, as, as people do when they travel to Europe, and I was struck but in the way that I think many, many people are who go there about how old everything is. Have you been there and really been struck by the age of everything? You know, I was in, I was in uh, Portsmouth area, not Portsmouth, Portsmouth. All right, English folks, yeah, I did it well, thank you. Um, and I went to uh, uh, the ancient capital of England, Winchester, Beautiful little town, loved it. I'm a history guy, you know. And I went to the cathedral that had been built by William the Conqueror. You know that story, 1066, all those Frenchmen came over the channel and beat up on the English folks and they took over in Battle of Hastings. And he, William the Conqueror, had this, this cathedral built. And I'd been walking around it for like, I don't know, half an hour and checking everything out and I thought, you know what? I have probably walked on the very place that William the Conqueror walked. It's got to have happened, right? So amazing to me. But a thousand years old. Came back here, I was talking to John Haddow, our then youth pastor. A lot of you will have fond memories of John. English chap that he was. And we just got talking about, about that dynamic and quite frankly how young Canada is. Like when you immerse yourself in that sort of dynamic, that sort of history, that, that, that sense of, of time, and you come back here, you think, man, like a couple hundred years, it's nothing. It's nothing compared to what those European folks have, have known. And I began to realize, I began to think how much has been accomplished in just a few hundred years here. Like it's remarkable. And I thought, I, I, I thought about the work that people have put into this, this country in the building of it. Even in our own area, it was only settled by Europeans. I know the Aboriginal folks were here, but only 170, 180 years ago. Like, that's not a lot of time. But look, when you drive home, just think about what's been accomplished in that amount of time. It's remarkable. Well, it got me thinking uh, in that line about all the effort we expand uh, to make a difference in our worlds, to achieve something, to build something of significance. Remember coming here as a young pastor a long, long time ago now, like back in the ancient days, right? And uh, don't laugh that much, not that much. 
But, you know, I was determined. I had this thing in me. I want to build a church. I want to build a great church that had nothing to do with the building, nothing. It had everything to do with building a community of people who deeply loved God and who had come to know God through Christ and who loved one another, like really loved each other, and then who grew in their faith to the point where they just wanted to love the world and go out there and share Jesus and see the kingdom come in power. That was my dream. Gave myself to that, right? And I'm wondering, what is it that you have in your heart? What has God put in your heart that you want to build? Exercise, expand that effort in that way. For some of you, you're building businesses, right? For some of you, it's a career. Maybe you're at the front end of it and you dream of what can be. A lot of people think about building a family, you know, building a marriage that's strong and good and godly. Building into children, you know, so that they grow up in Christ and become everything that they can become. You I mean, the list is, it could go on and on. I, I, I think about our own spiritual lives. You think about building your, your faith and your commitment to Jesus and your capacity for faithfulness before him. Um, I think about the ministries that we're about to enter into in this new ministry year, as we call it. You know, the, 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 the downtown ministry where so much effort has gone in over five years and now there's a physical uh, renewing happening in that building. Our Nicaragua ministry, our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our life group process, now Oasis, and I could go on. You know, there's just a lot of people here and there's an eagerness to build, I trust and I hope and I pray in your heart to do something significant with this life of yours. Well, I want to take you to Psalm 127 this morning. It is a strange yet powerful couple of verses I'm about to read to you. It's odd in a very real way, but I want to tell you there's something of incredible significance there for those who want to make a difference in their life and see significant things happen in and through them. Is that you? I hope it is. I really do. Let me read Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. What do you think about those verses? Those three statements, those three ideas that are given to us. Basically, what they're saying is, you know. <laughs> In whatever we engage, whatever we uh, direct our efforts at, all that effort will be in vain. And the word kind of has the idea of futility or emptiness or even uselessness. Unless God is doing the work, unless God is building the building, you know, not much is going to get accomplished. You know, essentially, unless God is building the house, the builder's labor in a way that is, is, is empty and futile, kind of like a waste of energy, a waste of effort. And, you know, you can watch over and guard a city. Think, think of, a, a, of a city in that day with a, a protective wall, a defensive wall that had been built around it, and someone is guarding on, on, on the top of that wall or in a parapet looking for an, a, an advancing enemy, an enemy that will attack. And it says, you know... Actually, in the message version, it says, you know, the guard might as well have a nap unless God is guarding the city. It's a waste of time. And then this, this third statement about rising early and staying up late and toiling to put food on the table. What is really about, what is being said is that, you know what, you can get up and you can work from morning to night and you can be stressed out of your mind trying to feed your family. 
but it's all wasted effort unless God is the one who's providing for you. And when you, when you figure out that God's providing for you, you can go to sleep at night and sleep like a baby because you don't have any worries because he's taking care of you. There's a principle here, and it's this. We can seek to accomplish important and significant things on our own. We can expend a ton of energy if we choose, but without God's presence and activity and power, it's all for naught. All for naught. How many of you believe that? How many of you really believe that without God intimately connected and, and, and at work in and through you, it's all a waste of time? You know, I think about me coming to the church 27 years ago and having that passion to build a church. You know, it's just almost like, Chris, go ahead, knock yourself out. You know, just pour your life into this dynamic. But I want to tell you, Chris, if God's not in it, it's all you, a worthless effort. Oh, you might have lots of people on a Sunday morning. You might have nice programs and the finances might be in good shape. But if God's not in it, there's not much point to it. Um, futile effort. What about marriage, you know? People can be really committed to building their marriage and they can go to the conferences and they can read the books and they can learn to be great communicators and really skilled at conflict resolution and they can have a date night every week. Who has a date night every week? Oh, you guys need God. Believe me, you need God. No date nights in the week. I don't either, so, you know. But the point is, if God isn't in it, all your efforts will be futile and you're never going to end up with a marriage that you could have if God was intimately connected and involved and building that marriage for you. Same with children. You can, you can focus upon them and give them time and you can learn as a parent to discipline them well and on and on and on. But without God building and forming those lives, they'll never become the people that they could become. I like this discussion of business, I mentioned, and, and building career. You can do it on your own, based on your own ability and your own strength. But quite frankly, Scripture says to us, it's all a vain attempt. It's an empty, futile effort, unless God's involved in it. What do you think about that? See, I know this principle kind of confuses people. It, it's almost like, God, how can, how can you build a building if I don't swing a hammer? How can you build a house if I don't swing a hammer? God, how can you protect a city if someone doesn't sit on that wall and look for the enemy and alert everybody when the enemy approaches? God, how can, how can I put food on the table if I don't go to work every day? And, you know, in a sense, that's very true. We have to engage this whole dynamic. But the question ultimately comes, who's the main actor in the process? Is it you or is it God? Who is actually accomplishing this thing, you or God? It's almost like in the movies, you know, there's always the star who plays the leading role, you know, the handsome guy or the beautiful woman. And then you have all the character actors and the supporting actors. Do you ever watch movies sometimes and there's action going on in a mall and you see people walking by like this? You know? They're kind of bit players, if you would. They don't have a significant role. They're just there. They're engaged. They have a role to play. But the main actors are the stars. That's kind of the dynamic that we have to bring into play in this, in this reality. We have to engage, but God has to be the central actor. God has to be the one who is present and powerful and active in what needs to be done, accomplishing what needs accomplished. And that's not for us. 
The passage is simply saying, if you think you're the main actor, your efforts will be in vain, empty, futile, a waste of time, ineffective. But where God is there, where God is present, active, and moving in a powerful way, just look out, because he's going to accomplish something of incredible significance through you. Through you. And I want to tell you, there's incredibly good news here. You get that, don't you? Incredibly good news. Because whatever God has put in your heart to do, he will do it. Do you get that? Whatever God has put in your heart to do, build a business, build a marriage, build into children, he will accomplish it. That's the promise of the text. He will build the building. He will guard the city. He will provide the food. It's almost like we don't have to because it's his task. And I want to tell you that ought to excite us and draw us into this dynamic which is being described in this, uh, in this psalm. My question for you is, whatever you're engaged in, whatever you're seeking to build, whatever you're seeking to accomplish in your life, is God in it? Is God at work? Is God doing it? Now, how do you step into this? What does it mean? What does it look like? Three points for you today. Number one, we have got to embrace humility. I hope you get that. I mean, what the text is essentially saying is that w if we want to accomplish something of significance, we have to recognize that on our own, we can't accomplish it. You know, it, it, it's just written into the reality. It's odd to think of building a building, sorry, building a business uh, for some, and to think God being part of that. But I want to ask you this question, and I want you to respond in all honesty, especially if you have a business and you're building your business or, or have in the past. Who knows more about business, you or God? Like, honestly. Who knows more about business, you or God? The answer is God. He, like, he really does. And who has a greater capacity to make your business thrive, you or him? It's kind of... Simple, right? God has the capacity to make the business thrive in a way that, that you can't. Think about marriage. Think about raising children, building that family the way that you long for it to be built. Who, who, who knows more about building a marriage, you or God? It's almost silly, right? But we often don't assume that. Who has the capacity, the power to build your marriage more, you or the Lord? Well, if you don't know, I got to tell you, it's God. And it's not you. And so often, you know, it's so easy to think, I can do this on my own. And we leave God out of the picture. Oh, God might be on the periphery somewhere. I mean, might be thankful that he's there for times of crisis, etc. But you know what? I'm going to build this business. I'm going to build this marriage. I'm going to build into my kids. It's my task. It's my job. And I want to tell you, my friends, when we leave God out of the picture, <laughs> we give up potential that is huge for the dreams that we have, for that which we engage in. We have to be involved, yes, but only as the means God uses to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in and through us. It's his work. And in humility, we have to step back and say, God, I, I recognize my limitation here. I can't do it, but I know you can. Number one, embrace humility. Number two, we have to invite God in. Right now, as you heard this morning, we're pretty focused on small groups forming in the life of our church and so forth. And so we have um, 
we have new leaders who are ready to roll and you know are ready for people to sign up in their groups and we have existing leaders i want to speak for a moment to all those small group leaders who will be engaged in leading a small group in a week and a half um there are two ways that you can go about your leadership some of them especially the new ones by the way a little anxious you know it's new it's a challenge and you, you can plan, and you can prepare, and you can lead, and you can organize on your own and without God. Or you can say, God, you know, I really can't do this. And what I need is for you to come and you to step in. I invite you into this dynamic, and I want you to do what only you can do. Now think about it. What do we want? We want life transformation in small groups. We want small groups to form people who really love one another and, and encounter God and are changed and who serve together and so forth. I want to tell you, you can't do that. You can't build authentic community, as our vision says, where people really come to trust one another and share their lives openly. You can't do it. You know, you can't reveal biblical truth to people. You can teach it, but it's only the Spirit of God, God who is present and active and moving powerfully. It's only the Spirit of God who can open their eyes to the power of the Word of God that would transform their lives and change them. You know, you can't get people to grow in love for one another, true love for one another, so that they care for one another deeply and from the heart. You cannot get people to the place where they are so grow in faith that they are eager to reach out into our community to build the kingdom of God. You can't do it. But I know somebody who can. And so do you. You see, the reality is we can invite God in as leaders and we say, God, come by your spirit. Come and move among us. Do the work that only you can do. I'm willing to take a back seat in humility. I'm willing to say that I'm not the main actor in this show. And I invite you to come and move in power. Come, Lord God, and touch the lives of the people in this group. Guess what God will do if you pray that prayer? He will come, and he will move, and he will change lives. Just a comment before the, the next point I want to make. Everybody who is in ministry at IPC this year, we're about to move into, well, we're in September, about to move into our ministry engagement again for this, this swing, September through June, when the church is so busy. Whether it is in, in Oasis or in young adult ministry, whether it's in, 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 in our Nicaragua ministry or our downtown ministry, it doesn't matter what the ministry in children's ministry, youth ministry, I want to speak to every single person who is going to offer their time and their effort to God this coming year. You can try to do this on your own, and you know what the result will be? You will have wasted your time. That's the idea of everything that we do without God is done, and you will waste your time. We as a church can pour hundreds and thousands of hours in to trying to impact the lives of people, to build a church, to build the kingdom of God, and we can literally waste our time if God's not in it. But conversely, if we will simply in humility invite God in, my friends, God will come, and God will move, and God will accomplish only the things that he can accomplish in and through us. So number one, embrace humility. Number two, invite God in. Number three, ask God to move in power. I was thinking this morning, how many of you, no hands up, just think about this question, have experienced God moving in power 
anywhere? And more specifically, how many of you have experienced God moving in power in and through your life? I mean, that needs to be an ambition of ours, isn't it? Isn't this something that we've got to long for and look forward to? See, the question in the end, the, the, the question we've got to ask ourselves based on this text is how many people are going to be content with less in life? Let me read to you the version translation of this, or paraphrase. It's Eugene Peterson kind of taking scripture and playing with it a little bit. Do we have that, guys? The message version of... No, we don't. There we go. It says this. If God doesn't build the house, the builder only builds shacks. You can try. You can knock yourself out. You're not going to have a nice house. You're going to have a shack to live in. Who wants that, you know? And if God doesn't guard the city, as I said previously, the night watchman might as, well, uh, might as well nap. If God's not in it, if God's not active, if God's not present and moving in power, it doesn't matter what you do. The city won't be safe, and unless it's useless, there's that word, vanity, it's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? You know, you can knock yourself out and you can have a subpar life living it in exhaustion and in stress. Go ahead. But you know what? You can trust God and know that he's there and know that he's working in power and you can go to bed and have a good sleep at night and have a good life. Let me go back to the idea. This idea of God being active and in business. And I know there are lots of business people here. Um, what is it that God can do for you? Like literally. What is it that the Spirit of God can accomplish in and through you that you can't do on your own? Is it possible that God is going to enable your leadership in a way that it has never been enabled before so that you can, you know, um, envision the future in a powerful way so that you inspire your people, so that he will guide your decisions and make them the right decisions, so that he will enable you to create the right culture on your team? You know, is it God who can, can do that? Is it God who can produce, improve production in your plant? Is it God who might even increase sales? <laughs> See, the answer is yes. God can move in that way. God can accomplish incredible things if we'll just in humility invite him in and then ask him to move in power. Same thing with marriage. Children. He'll come. He'll move. He will act. His spirit will accomplish what you and I cannot accomplish if you just ask him to. You know, I think about our spiritual lives, our, our, our journey from immaturity in faith to maturity in faith. You know, the Bible kind of displays that, that journey. It says, you know, when we're first born, we're babes in Christ, and we drink the milk of the word. But it says also in Scripture, we've got to move from that, <clears throat> excuse me, so that we're eating the meat of the word. You know, digging in and understanding Scripture more deeply. Thus the story, and, and thus our year of the Bible, and our challenge for you people to read the Bible every single day this year. Hope you are, even if it's only a verse. You see, the reality is that, that we can envision ourselves and we can desire to build our spiritual lives so that we become like Jesus, so that we mature in faith, so that we're faithful to him in beautiful and wonderful ways, encountering God and serving him effectively and all those dynamics and all those realities. But you know the reality is that when it comes to the realm of faith, it is only what God does in us that has profound, lasting effect. 
You see, before we come to Christ, literally, we're in rebellion against God. Maybe there are people here who are. Maybe what I'm about to describe to you is you. I don't know. Uh, you apply this as you choose. But the reality is that we resist God in our lives, his rule and his reign. You know, we really um, don't want his presence. We just leave us alone. We don't want to know his truth. We, we don't grasp it. We don't understand it. And it's only when God acts by his Holy Spirit that we are changed. When God, by his Spirit, moves in power, our hearts are softened so that we open up our lives to him. Our eyes are opened so that we see and understand his truth. It's, it's when God, by his Spirit, moves that we come to that place where we recognize, yes, I, I need to be forgiven for my sin, and we ask it in the name of Christ, and, and we are forgiven, and we're reconciled to God. And then that's just the beginning. It is as God works in us, he continues to reveal truth to us. He continues to convict me, and I hope you, of sin in our lives so that we're led to repentance. He continues to work in us to bring healing to the deepest wounds of our lives so that we can break free from the chains which bind us and live the abundant life that Jesus died that we might know. See, my friends, he does all of that, all of that, and we can't. But he will. He will. And as he empowers us, as he moves in us, we are transformed. And as scripture says, we become like Jesus. We, we literally do start to have the thoughts of Christ and the heart of Jesus and the desires of Christ. We're made new. All this happens only when we embrace humility before God and when we invite God in when we ask him to move in power. I don't know, there may be someone here today, there may be people here today who are ready to say, I need to embrace humility before God and I need to confess my sin and I need God to act in my life by forgiving me and making me his child. That's the beginning of the journey. I would encourage you in that. And then I would say as you go forward, continue to ask him in. Continue to ask him to work in you. You see, my friends, when we try to do this on our own, you know what you end up with? You might go to church on a Sunday morning and you might go to a life group and you might open your Bible and pray at home. But if God's not in it, it all looks good. But the effort is in vain. It's empty, useless, religious activity. But when God is in it, we are made new. And we are changed to become what he desires and to become what we desire as well. I guess as I wind down this morning, my question honestly here for everyone present is simply, who wants this? Who wants to see God act in power in their lives? Who wants to see the Holy Spirit come and enable us to participate in something that he is accomplishing as we exert our effort, whatever that effort might be? I know I do, and I know I want that for you, but more importantly, I know God wants that for you. He really does. God wants to accomplish great things through us. So really, at the end of the day, our prayer is, God, come and show me your power. God, come and labor on our behalf. Work in and through me that I might see great things done in your name. Every single person here has huge potential for change in this world, for impact if they'll simply embrace humility and invite the Lord in and ask him to work in power.
I want to finish by reading, and then we're going to pray together, but 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It's a great verse. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, whatever that might be, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Here's how I want us to conclude this morning. I would like us just to take a few minutes in prayer. I'd like us to close our eyes and I'll, I'll begin the prayer, but then that we just have a, a minute of silence where you can pray if you wish. If you'd rather not, that's fine. But I want you to think about one area where you want to make significant impact. What do you want to build? What do you want to accomplish? Is it business? Is it family? Is it your spiritual life? Let God lead you in that. And I simply want to give you the opportunity to in humility invite God in and say, God, would you move in power in this area of my life? Because I believe if you will do that in all sincerity, God will answer your prayer and in time you will stand back and go, oh my goodness, look what the Lord has accomplished for me. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful for every person who's here today and... Uh, so clear that they're here today, in my mind at least, because you want them here today to hear this message, to grapple with this truth from Scripture, and in the end have the opportunity to, in humility, invite you in and ask you to work in power. Father, I don't know what it is that people um, are seeking to build in their lives, where they're wanting to accomplish and and do something of significance. But I pray that you'll lead them to think of that area, and I, then I pray that you'll give them the grace to invite you in and ask you to move. And then, God, out of that prayer, what we long for is that you would show us your power, show us your presence, show us your love, show us, Lord, you engaged, making a difference in this world through your people. So, Lord, listen to the prayers of your people now as we come before you. Now, Lord Jesus, we pray that you will be at work in us, through us. That, Lord, we will see and understand the powerful act of God to accomplish the things which we long for. Lord, move, we pray, by your Spirit. Lord, move in your power in and through our lives, we pray. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.